electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. When I came in, we talked about cost-cutting right away. We reorganized the company. We've recommitted to profitability and streaming. So where, where is the need? We wish the very best to Bob, his management team, the board. We will be watching. We will be rooting. And the proxy fight is over. 24 hours since Bob Iger and Nelson Peltz joined Squawk on the Street to make news on multiple fronts. Just part of a wild week in media and corporate news. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is in Los Angeles. Got some pre-market softness as the S&P wraps up its worst week in nearly two months. Got some jitters ahead of CPI on Tuesday. Our roadmap is going to begin with oil. Prices popping after Russia says it will cut output by half a million barrels a day. Plus, we've got a bloodbath in Lyft. At least six downgrades this after the company issued very weak guidance, highlighting a stark difference from Uber. And listen, we're keeping an eye on Disney. Those shares are moving lower again. They give up, uh, given up yesterday's early gains after that proxy fight is over. Of course, as you just heard, announced by Nelson Peltz on our show. Guys. Oh. What a show that was, David. Let's start with the aftershocks from uh, yesterday's show featuring Iger and Peltz. Jim, um, why do you think the stock settled back? Well, I, look, I, I actually acted like there was one, one or two really big sellers because they just... What happened in the parlance of uh, Wall Street is they just kept hitting the bid, hitting the bid, hitting the bid, and no one let the bid uh, uh, stabilize. So typically what that happens is there's someone who just, listen, I got 10 million shares, so just get out, I don't care. Just get me an average price that's better than the last price. And David, you know that there were some people who kind of feel like after these things happen, uh, we've learned it. I think you see it in Salesforce today. There are register ringers. There are people who just say, you know what, I made my money, go buy. And I felt that's what happened yesterday. There were people who just said, get me out at any price because my price is so much better than where it was three weeks ago. Yeah, I kind of wondered, Jim, whether Peltz was amongst them. I mean, why not? You know, he booked a big gain. Obviously, people say, well, he lost the proxy fight, so to speak. Obviously, they never went to the proxy itself. But um, I did wonder, he indicated he's going to hang on as a long-term shareholder. You may have a more, a more of a sense of that. But, you know, you kind of wonder whether, all right, is he done? Because he had a big gain already. Maybe he wants to sell. Well, look, you raise a good point. I mean, I, my and I, I can try to get more up to date information. But my my thinking is, is that uh, he believes in the plan uh, and therefore he believe and he believes in Bob. But I can be able, I really I'm going to take the Jonas course. <laughs> Adam Jonas say with the finest piece of research I've ever seen, which is like, I don't know. I don't know why things are happening. I don't know if you saw that piece, David, but I, I'm going to invoke the uh, the new corollary to the Fifth Amendment. I, I can't say anything. I have no. I don't. I have the right not to say anything because I read Adam Jonas's piece. I don't know. Uh, it's a Morgan Stanley note about why used car prices were so strong in January, David. Um, and they talked to a bunch of dealers on the Toyota side, on the yeah. Ford side, and people are basically sh- throwing up their hands. Right. And I think that that's what's happening with the Disney situation. By the end of the day, by the way, uh, yeah. you truly had 
uh, what I regard as being a, a mass capitulation by people who, David, they had no reason to capitulate. I mean, what the, what the heck was that? Because uh, well, now, I, spoke I, do to one, think- I talked to a guy who blew out of it. And what he said yeah. was, look, listen, there, all, anyone could have done Iger's plan. You know, fire people, uh, maybe pay a dividend later on. That was the plan. No, no actual vision. David, I listened to your long interview. I felt there was multiple cases of vision, including the idea that we're going for profitability, which is something very contrary to what I felt that Chapek was going for. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's very clear that there is an expectation on on Iger's part, certainly that they're going to be able to generate more free cash flow eventually. Obviously, reinstating a dividend plays into that confidence. That said, I will I will end on Disney just, uh, Jim, by saying, you know, I do think there's concern about the linear cable networks and obviously ESPN amongst them. ESPN is now separated out from the other entertainment assets. Kind of interesting. Some people think even though Iger said we're not doing anything with ESPN, it does set it up for being able to do something, but they were weak, the linear cable networks, uh, and the guidance wasn't great either. And so there may have been some concern about that, Jim, that was reflected in that stock price sort of trending down as the day went along. Well, plus, David, I mean, as you asked over and over again yesterday, what do we know about Hulu? What do we really know? And what did you come up with at the end of the day about Hulu? Uh, Well, it's a negotiation that is coming. It's always hard to understand exactly what everybody's posture is with that. But it's between our parent company, Comcast, and Disney. Clearly, there was a change yesterday. It was one of the more newsworthy things that Iger said during the course of the interview in terms of, hey, we may not be the buyer. Um, we may look for another opportunity. We'll see. I'm going to have a little bit more on it. It, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily seem that clear as to who another buyer might be other than our parent company. And then, of course, the question is, do we want it? Well, at a price, certainly, but maybe not at the price right, that Disney's price. willing to sell it at. At a price yeah. is my takeaway. But it was just yeah. such good reporting. I know we got to move on. But I think anyone who thinks there was no strategy just was watching, watching cartoons. They had cartoons of uh, yeah, we'll obviously keep touch in, in touch with uh, the stock today. Watch Disney uh, as as well as media at large. Lyft is the big story, though, on track for mm. its worst trading day since going public back in 2019. Company posts a fourth quarter miss, issues this weaker than expected guidance for the current quarter. They do cite some seasonality, uh, some lower pricing, Jim, um, a, a return of supply down 30 percent pre-market. Right. I mean, it was... I put this. I understand why Dan Ives from Wedbush said... Uh, last night, Lyft's call was the top three worst call we have ever heard. I don't know what the other two were. But, uh, <laughs> okay. it, but I, I, what I didn't like about it was the otherworldliness of it, which is basically to say this business is no longer any good. It's, you know, we, too many drivers, price come down, whatever. And you know, two days ago, there was this fellow, Dara. He has this company called Uber. And it, this is such a winner-take-all, loser-take-none situation. That I was shocked. I was going to ask you whether uh, Lyft is the intel to Uber's AMD. Oh, you know what made me think that? Because Zimmer is so nice. John Zimmer and Pat Gelsinger are so <laughs> no, nice. These are two really nice guys. One nice guy, two nice guys. No fight. Right, David? Two nice guys, no fight. Right. Uh, I, well, I don't, does, does, uh, does Lyft have a reason to exist anymore? Should it just sell itself uh, and the do the best it can, crisis, Like we close? Not unlike, what are you, like a Sart? Um, he's going there with the, uh, you know, with the, the French. Existential Camus. philosophy. Camus. Camus. I yeah. The Camus yeah, 2014 is better, the best Camus I've ever had. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is, David, this conference call is like this industry is from hunger. 
and there's no reason, you know, we're going to do our best. Dara's call, which, of course, he does have food, is talking about having a billion dollars in ads. David, what happened here is that you diversified or you died. And that's what I think Dara did was to develop a model that is just not hostage to the number of drivers. It's weird because two years ago we were saying if you're going to buy driver uh, mobility, you want pure place. Uh, and and what, would Uber be distracted by many silos? But maybe some executives are better than others. Uh, I would go back to the Intel thing, but it's such a dead horse situation. You know, I mean, you, even Butte wouldn't say that, son. Uh, but anyway, I looked at Lyft and I say, don't. Don't go that, that way. Admit that you didn't do as good a job. But CEOs are so loath to say we have to catch up. We didn't do that good a job that I just don't know how to put it. Memo to CEOs out there. It is okay to say we did not deliver and we're going to. That's kind of what uh, Max said at a firm uh, night before last. Yes, he did. Now, Max is very interesting. Immediately, people jumped to the conclusion with the firm, which is buy and I'll pay later, that they must have credit problems. Now, some people say they have loans on the balance sheet that they didn't expect to. But their credit problems, they have less of a credit problem than anyone else in the industry. It's just that they have less business. Now, PayPal... All, you know, signaled that they had more business. Now, Dan Schulman in a call, and people were quite reverential with Dan. Uh, Dan Schulman in a call said, listen, January was strong. Uh, MasterCard says January was better. Uh, January used cars were better. Uh, there's a, a, a belief that January's cars brought a, a comeback in spend. I can't prove it yet, but it's interesting. Uh, I think it was uh, B of A uh, this morning, David. We've seen signs of a strengthening in consumer spending at the start of the year. Uh, credit card, debit card spending per household up 5-1 in January compared to uh, two year-on-year in December. Yeah. So we, we definitely got to bounce uh, once we turn the calendar. Yeah, and a lot less talk about recession overall, right? Um, you know, yes. large article yesterday in the journal all about all the jobs that are now uh, sort of getting filled in a more easy fashion and that are available in hospitality, for example, but with plenty of people or more people now available to fill them. Doesn't feel like an economy in which, uh, you know, we're headed towards uh, a real deceleration of growth. Um, guys, yesterday we also didn't really get an opportunity given all the events that took place during the show to talk about something that's going on this week and jim i want to come to you on alphabet um because as the day went on yesterday even though obviously everybody wanted to talk about disney uh the weakness in that stock for yet another day the continued concern about the idea that they've already lost out in the ai race to microsoft um, what do you, what, what is your sense here? And there's obviously plenty of research now that everybody's getting in on in terms of how Microsoft is benefiting and going to benefit from chat GPT's inclusion and Bing. Um, but that loss of market cap in alphabet is extraordinary. Yeah. But when we think this about week. It, the most, luc- the most lucrative part of alphabet's business is search. And Saudi said that, uh, and if you eliminate the ability to look at a lot of ads, uh, because you just spoke to your your handheld instead of tapping it in, then you have everybody who's second, third, fourth, fifth will pull their ads. Uh, they can't solve that. In the meantime, Bing was such a second rater that if they get anything, David, they're back in business. So, I mean, search, I, I, I said this to club members. I said, look, it is tough when you have the Justice Department saying you have Monopoly and then you have the Monopoly destroyed at the same time by by <laughs> Microsoft. I mean, you can't yeah, be in a worse it's, position. It's the worst two days uh, for Google uh, since 2008. Uh, 
It's bad. It's bad. Worst worst, uh, versus Microsoft ever on on earnings day. And this morning, I know you saw Doug Ameth over at J.P. Morgan. A 5% loss in short share could drive a 9 to 10% drop in OperNet and DPS. They say Google's in a difficult spot. No, David, you have always been confounded, as I have, about the price-to-earnings ratio. Well, I mean, sometimes the market's so smart. The price-to-earnings ratio, which is incredibly low, maybe deserved to be low, unlike unlike what uh, what what uh, Zuckerberg did, where he just fired a lot of people and got things changed. Uh, I question the Alphabet business model right now. They've got to do something fast, David, because their attempt to beat ChatGPT, which by the way they're working with with they're working with Nvidia. They've got all the horses, but they had an embarrassing three weeks, and it all starts with that Justice Department brief, which basically said that they rigged bids and therefore uh, took money from both the publisher and the advertiser. Brutal, just a brutal, brutal brief. So it's just an animalist, horribleist, animalist, quarterless for, uh, but for these if, guys. If, Jim, if they're unable to maintain a lead in AI, I mean, they have poured billions into it over years. Remember the guy who resigned because he, he said AI was gaining consciousness at, at Google? I mean, that was a while ago. It seems hard well, to imagine that they're not going to have some sort of a product that is going to keep them even with, if not exceed, what is already out there. And yet it's unclear that that is going to be the case. If that is right. the case, if they fail here, that's a significant failure of leadership at the company, isn't it? Well, uh, it, as contrasted with Satya Nadella, who somehow keeps managing to reinvent Microsoft, not just with Azure, but, you know, if they really take a lead here as well. Well, I do know that they do have a crack team that Alphabet has a crack team, and, and what happened in their uh, show-off of it was not uh, in keeping with their crack team. And that where you're going to see more, I'll tell you who we're going to see more from, though, that is going to shock people. I think Facebook's got stuff lined up. On AI. Yeah, the Meta's got something lined up big. <laughs> I am not kidding. Hey, listen, I got all the other stuff right about this darn thing. I am telling David, you are going to see something from Meta that is going to blow your it's, it's, it's going to blow your brains out. Uh, that's really exciting. Yeah, that's a really nice vision. Thank you for that. Meta and AI, what could possibly go wrong? I'm sure it's all going to be great. I can't wait. Hey, I'm very happy. Uh, proxy fight is over. <laughs> we got that under our belt. Now we're moving on to bigger things. Uh, coming up this morning, more on today's movers. Also ahead of the Super Bowl this weekend, uh, the betting uh, set to spark a record year for sports gambling. We'll talk some win and MGM. have both been on the move last couple days. Futures a little soft here as we kick off this Friday. More Squawk on the Street straight ahead. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. 
As we count down to Super Bowl Sunday, 2023 is shaping up to be a record-breaking year for sports gambling companies. Contessa Brewer is at FanDuel Sportsbook in Phoenix today with more. Morning, Contessa. Hey, Carl, you know, FanDuel CEO just told me Super Bowl Sunday is likely to be the biggest day in that company's history. Look, this is a historic Super Bowl, the first time the big game has ever been played in a state where sports betting is legal. And at the stadium, fans can wager on their phone. This is an incredible about face. Six years ago, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said, we're not changing our position as it relates to legalized sports gambling. We still don't think it's a positive thing. Later that year, 2017, he issued a statement saying, all right, but there has to be protections for the integrity of the game. Fast forward, 2018, the Supreme Court overturns PASPA, the law forbidding states from legalizing sports betting. 2019, New Jersey adds sports betting. They can bet on the Super Bowl. Two years later, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars become NFL partners. And then you have uh, a move in 2022 that the Cardinals here in Arizona launched the first sports book in a stadium. Now, five years later, players in 33 states and Washington, D.C. can place a bet where they live. Massachusetts launched retail sports betting less than two weeks ago. Ohio at the beginning of the year. New York just launched mobile in January of last year. It skyrocketed to the biggest, most lucrative state for sports betting in the nation. By November, guys, the commercial gaming industry had smashed all previous sports gambling revenue records, $55 billion for last year. And that doesn't include tribal gaming or illegal wagering or December. There's no bigger opportunity to win new customers than the Super Bowl now. Eagles hail from Pennsylvania, sports gambling legal, both online and in person. The Chiefs from Kansas City in Missouri, which tried and failed to pass an initiative last year. So now all those fans in Missouri have to cross state lines into Kansas or Illinois or other places, which all offer a legal option to place your bets. You think they're missing out on it? Coming up on Tech Check, I'll talk with DraftKings CEO and co-founder Jason Robbins. Get the lay of the land for him, especially on the technology side and also if there's a recession, will we see these guys pulling back on their bets? All right, so Contessa, Texas, Florida, and California, huge states, no legal market share. What will happen there? Okay, so we've just seen this week that in Texas, Republicans have introduced a mobile sports betting bill. I talked to some insiders who think this may be a game changer. The real problem in Texas is that the lieutenant governor has been a strong opponent of, uh, of gambling, and he has given no indication that his mind has changed and he's in charge of the Senate. So we'll see what happens there. In Florida, it's passed, but it's caught up in a court battle over uh, the state's rights and, and, and tribal gaming. Uh, the Seminoles have a, that's hard rock, the Seminoles have pretty much the monopoly in Florida. California, we're likely to see it come up again in a couple years, but for now, it's a dead issue. All right, you had a great piece this morning on the on five. Uh, we're talking about addiction. If there are 50 million Americans who are going to bet on this game, how many of those, and this is a hard question, I know, but how many of those do you think are addicts? I'm not a scientist, but I, kn I know that there's a lot of research that goes into this. And the real concern, especially for FanDuel CEO Amy Howe, who's been outspoken about it, is that if you want longevity in this business, if you want regulators to keep their hands off of you and let you run your business in a way that makes the most sense to the bottom line, then you have to self-regulate. And they say it just doesn't happen 
if people are becoming addicts and they're blowing up, you lose them as customers forever. But one thing I will point out is what they've seen is in places where states legalize sports gambling, that the action comes back to the legal regulated marketplace where people can self-exclude and where there is a focus and tools available for responsible gaming. And on a lot of these offshore illegal sites where people who want to bet can do so in California or Texas, they're, they're using them. Those tools don't exist. They're not highly promoted. Uh, we haven't even really touched on Macau as we've been oh. back and forth on China's reopening Contessa. But first things first, the big game on Sunday. Uh, Contessa Brewer, we'll talk later uh, in Phoenix today. When we come back, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Again, futures a tad weak here. A little uh, bit of a jittery sense of VIX almost back to 22 today. Uh, more Squawk of the Street when we come back. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. All right, let's uh, get in a cross-country mad dash. Last one of the week, of course, as we count down an opening bell about two and a half minutes from now. What do you got, Jim? Well, David, the stock is probably going to be up the most when people look today. It's a company called Cloudflare, symbol net. They do load balancing, uh, way to improve your video, but also they do cybersecurity. They've won uh, 30, they have 33% of the Fortune 500. They've got a big White House contract. If you send an email to the White House, it, it, uh, they handle it. But what I thought was most important, we keep hearing, of course, that there are not enough engineers, all right, and uh, many, too, too many jobs. Well, get this. They have 1,300 jobs that are largely engineering jobs. They had 400,000 applicants. So maybe, David, this whole notion that there aren't enough people to look, you know, uh, and, and there's so many jobs. Well, that would, 400,000 going for 1,300 jobs, David, would indicate to me that maybe it's a little bit tighter than we think and, and that maybe uh, Jay Powell should be looking at what Cloudflare is doing in order to recognize, wow, maybe we've won in some of these markets that we thought we were losing. Which means what? It's not going to change your opinion in terms of what Powell's going to do, is it? No, but I mean, I still, he's, I think he's going to do two quarterly hikes. Uh, but I do think that, you know, we've seen all these layoffs like today, Yahoo, 1,500 people. Mm-hmm. A lot of these companies have been tightening belt. But the one thing we haven't seen is someone having a problem getting a job. This is the first time I have read lots of people having problems getting a job, or maybe they're just trying to job up and do better. But David, over and over again, we hear that there are, that you way too many companies, way too few people. Well, how about way too few spots and way too many people? That would be a nice change of pace. And Cloudflare, run by Matthew Prince, who's a terrific guy, they may be the leader, most cutting edge. People want to work for them. If you got fired from Facebook, this is where you want to go. Yeah. Well, Carl, we're one week out from, of course, that monstrous uh, employment number we got, which was triple the estimates. And we're still at a 3.4 percent, not still, since 1969, the lowest unemployment rate we've had at 3.4 percent. Let's get the opening bells, guys, and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board, it's M&T Bank celebrating Black History Month at the NASDAQ. It is solar tech company NextTracker celebrating its IPO. We, we should mention, Jim, that um, 
pre-market really did start to repair itself here ahead of the open. Yes, it did. I, I watched it when I got up this morning. I said, all right, another really bad day. This time it's going to be both the Dow and the NASDAQ. Uh, and we're going to finish this uh, another bad week. You know, if the, spells, the, the magical spell's broken for a lot of people. I say no. It's just profit taking. Uh, and what makes me a little more bullish is a stock like Lyft, which was bad and down five. At one point, I think that even... I don't know. Earlier this week, might have might have had some yep. reverberations. Uh, a firm which did not do the number. I thought there'd be a ver- reverberations. Uh, no, it, there's not. Uh, PayPal. A lot of congratulations to Dan Schulman on the conference call. PayPal's up today, and the buy now, pay later for them in the month of January was strong. So we've got some data on January that's coming in, and it's stronger than we thought. And I think that's coloring a lot of what otherwise would be. Uh, a sense that of doom that we got yesterday. Yep, that's a great point. Uh, Yelp up nine, almost ten percent. And by the way, it was in restaurants. It was their other suite of products. Yep, I thought that was very. When we're all wringing our hands about the ad market, yeah. uh, I wonder what Expedia is doing. But again, a situation where they argued it was temporary, it was weather related. Weather. It's a double miss. I think the Expedia. Look, I, I think that Peter Kern is terrific. Expedia is more of lower-end travel. Uh, the higher-end travel guys are doing so well. I really want to distinguish Expedia from some higher-end. And by the way, American Express travel was on fire, even during the uh, storm period. American Express didn't have any bad weather. Their whole quarter was done. <laughs> I don't know where they're located, but boy, it was sun. It was beautiful. Expedia I, was very I dark. Wanna, I do want to ask you whether or not you think uh, bonds this week have repriced enough. Yes, I do. That, and of- that's really why we went down. Right, right. It wasn't just Google dragging down everything. Google was still, Google did cast a pull upon things, but it was the, it was the two-year that really made the year feel the week feel like a year. Yeah. Uh, German two-year, by the way, guys. Wow. This morning, highest since 08. Um, as for, we mentioned Alphabet and Microsoft and all the AI stuff we waded through during the week, David, but uh, Bill Gates talks to a German newspaper, uh, Reuters wrote it up, and said, this is going to change our lives, that the advent of uh, AI uh, in language-based search is going to be as significant as the Internet itself. It's been an interesting week or two, hasn't it, uh, that we've been watching sort of the reaction. Of course, we've talked about it most focused on Microsoft. Despite what was not a great week in terms of their ability to buy Activision, nonetheless, uh, the stock has been benefiting to a certain extent from investors' views that they are well positioned in AI. And obviously, uh, that could be a lot more important than whether or not they own Activision over any period of time. Let's just take a look at that. And then, uh, you know, Google losing $165 billion in two days in, in market value. But yeah, Carl, I have a feeling this is going to be the year we talk a lot about AI with that product out there, with the next one iteration of uh, ChatGPT coming fairly soon. Um, But I can remember us also talking about, you know, uh, cars that were going to be able to to drive themselves. (laughs) And that was years ago. I mean, by now we'd all be, you know, calling our car that would be coming for us without a driver. Haven't seen that happen yet. I thought what was really interesting was Nadella, he talked to uh, The Verge, Jim, where he was able to paint Google as the 800-pound gorilla. You got a $2 trillion company saying, oh, we're just trying to keep up with the big guys. Actually, in this case, a smaller company. Humility. He's got so much humility as he trounces everyone. I like that. Kind of the Andy Reid of tech. (laughs) You know? Oh, those guys are so great. I love him. Andy, that's he plays it that way. 
he's, he's humble. And then he just crushes you. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned uh, CPI and inflation concerns this week. Today, today Jim Barclays uh, adds a quarter point to June. Right. They see 25s through June. I think would, would right. take us to five, almost five and a half. That that could happen if yeah. we don't get a, if we get a bad CPI number and we have another employment number like this one. Now there are 128,000 jobs in travel and leisure that were created, and yet we're still not back to pre-pandemic levels. That is the fulcrum of pressure. And if what when we look at where those jobs are in travel and leisure, it's for the rich people. So I and, and cruises. So I want to be too uh, economic about it, but I do think that that's. That's the kind of part of the economy that's so on fire uh, that a lot of people are gravitating to it. And that could cause a, a couple of rate hikes. That could cause a couple of rate hikes. Hey, by the way, just going back on chat, just one last thing. People do not understand that chat is really something that happened when Jensen Wong came up with it, when he decided to create a real supercomputer that can get a D right now. Thank you, John Ellis, and uh, this newsletter I love. D right now, like a medical paper, but it'll be getting a, they're going to like get better grades. And Jensen's got a speech coming up on March 21, 2023. This is going to be maybe the most important chat speech. Now, it's, I just want to flag it. We're way away from it. But this is the man who thought of it. This is a man who realized it could happen. He was telling everyone for years this could happen. And no one was listening to him. And now they listen and hang on his every word about what their software bundled hardware supercomputer is going to let Facebook do, is going to let uh, Alphabet, and is, is letting Microsoft. Uh, it's, a, it's a key point, David. I mean, a lot of the desk commentary this week was that the selling in Alphabet uh, was emotional. Uh, uh, and, and, and based in fear, but I wonder, Jim, whether you think uh, the buying in NVIDIA year-to-date has been equally emotional. Well, there are a lot of people who say it's great. It's greatly overdone. I, it's selling at 45 times earnings, so it's got the highest P of the companies that we talk about. Uh, but it's a company, and then people keep saying, don't forget, it's just really, uh, it really is just about gaming. David, uh, it gave me on PC. I think there are people who are saying that it doesn't matter near term, because if you listen to a Bill Gates and you want to know who really makes the technology for everyone, you are going to keep coming back to NVIDIA. So it's very hard to value is the way I come up with it. My trust owns it. We owned it. We've owned it for a long time. I named my dog after NVIDIA. That was a very profitable endeavor, even though the dog died, which is probably, I don't know, maybe a gratuitous piece of information. <laughs> but, but David, you know, if you were to have Iger right here, right now, and you ask them, what are they doing in the metaverse? They own the technology for metaverse. And they would make it so if you can't go to Disney, you can go to Disney because of the way of how well NVIDIA has worked with Iger. And yet we haven't had a chance to ask them about it. No, uh, hopefully we will. There, uh, amazingly enough, even after a 41-minute interview, there were a number of questions that I didn't get to with uh, with Iger, including something along those lines. We didn't really talk about the parks, frankly, uh, much at all yesterday. No. Jim, when is when is Jensen giving this annual? You know, you've pointed uh, people March towards 21. it in the past because I've March read it in the past. But he's it's, already it's working important. on it. Okay, March he's 21st. already working right. on it. And uh, you know, I know that it's bad. I mean, my mom would have said. Biden, very nice birthday card from your mother to me, Bill, and thank her. Uh, okay, but I will. These, these. Well, you just uh, thanked her. Hit, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. True. These speeches, <laughs> I go over them again. He's not of this world. He doesn't write of this world. You have to parse it very closely. People read every single word. They watch him, and he is 
uh, the man who understood this ahead of everyone. So that is what we're going to find out, what's the next generation. But remember, I was able to, to uh, paint a Cezanne the way I wanted it, or a Manet the way I wanted it, instantly, because all I did was say, I want a Manet that looks like this. And we haven't even seen that iteration that allows us to be Leonardo da Vinci. He is making right. us be people we've never thought we could be. Um, Jim, another compelling figure that we follow closely, of course, is Elon Musk for any number of reasons. Right. It's only a few days ago when you and I had a conversation on set about Tesla. And uh, you'd said, at this point at least, you seem to favor it over Ford. I would note that the stock is down today, but it actually had a, uh, it's had a nice move this week, I believe. And I, you know, I just wanted to point it out, guys, because that momentum has continued. I mean, look at the move. Seven and a half percent this week. And of course, you just saw the monumental move in the stock. Sixty five plus percent year to date. The market cap of this company now once again, roughly around six hundred and fifty billion dollars. Can it keep going? Uh, Is this thing going to run out of steam for a little bit here in this latest move? No, I I think it keep going. By the way, just so we know, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, was not happy with my comments because uh, he, well, not, I'm going to say motivation, but they're motivated. You put them in your locker. So when the big game comes, you annihilate uh, those who have sided with Musk. I don't know about Musk himself. But David, the reason I think it can is because, you know, they raised prices back in, they raised prices in China. Now, he does do kind of a surge pricing, like an Uber, but not Lyft because no one takes Lyft. And David, have you noticed that he raises prices, lowered prices? Don't you think if you bought it, the week before a, uh, a, a price increase, yeah. you feel great. But if you bought it during the price increase, uh, you're a loser when he cuts. In. How does that work? I, I mean, this, I don't this know how that works. I, I agree with you, Jim. You're going to not be happy if he cuts prices as, as sharply as he did not that long ago. And you bought one a week before. You need like some sort of price guarantee, don't you? Some sort yes, of look you back do. You feel, or look yeah, ahead way, David, within a certain, a, a certain amount of time. You're right. Is there a price guarantee for the people who bought Salesforce.com yesterday at 173? And what the heck is going on there? Did an activist ring the did an activist declare victory and just didn't call in? Listen, they're not going to have a good quarter, are they, Jim? It's not going to be pretty. I mean, think, like, Elliot may choose quarter? to Elliot may choose to have uh, initiate a proxy fight. And by the way, given that we have people now uh, like Nelson Peltz, one of the most prominent people in activism, who come on our air and say proxy fights are over. Elliot, come on our air and, and start the proxy fight right now. I'd love to see you do it. We'll bring well, Mark I on too. Right. We can, ha- you know, we can create the powwow. But I, they may be coming. But that doesn't mean, Jim, that you're going to get. A, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have up to date reporting on this. Unfortunately, I'm trying. Whether they're anywhere near a settlement, you know, are they going to get this commitment towards margin targets that are far higher than they are now? Are they going to get a commitment on real succession plan from Benioff? But the quarter, Jim, let's come back to that, because those who look at the fundamentals here are not expecting it to be a particularly good one. Well, look, it's enterprise software. There's a slowdown worldwide. Uh, Mark has a huge amount of business overseas. A lot of their uh, work is done to try to jump, drum up subscriptions, you know, to, but a lot of it also is just the traditional uh, Bank of America trying to get more customers, Home Depot right. trying to get more customers. So, yes, I'm going to say that it's probably not going to be a good mean, quarter. I'm going to just Jim, say it's a bad quarter. Yeah, yes, Jim, David. sales and marketing teams are getting cut, right? Sales and marketing yes. teams are getting cut. The people who hire Salesforce may not be that's, doing it as often. That's, I don't, that's where, at least the thesis. No, that's the weakness of the economy. 
is people are saying, listen, the consumer's not. That's why I thought January being a little better is good. But people aren't spending, uh, and it's concentrated. This is where you cut your spending. Not that you and I would think it's the right thing to do, but you cover, you cut your spending on advertising and marketing, and Salesforce is in that silo. Well, I think Salesforce is much bigger than that, and I think that this is the product you take when everyone else is cutting back. But that's not, you know, that's that, you know, recession's a t- terrible thing to waste, but most people cut. And these are the guys who do get hurt, historically. Yeah. Uh, it's been quite a week uh, of, of her layoff news, whether it's Yahoo or News Corp. Oh, or 1,500 Zoom or Yahoo. I mean, or Disney. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of activism, uh, the Wire's got Value Act now taking a stake in Spotify uh, to support some oh. cost cuts. That's almost a 10-month high on Spot. Spotify's doing great. And by the way, Sonos is doing great. Uh, you know, these are things that I had thought would run out. Sonos had a really excellent quarter, by the way. Uh, but Spotify is something that I got so inured to it that when I saw the quarter, I said, oh, another bad quarter. And then I actually read it and I realized, no, it wasn't. David, there have been a couple companies that people have given given up for, left for dead, and they are making comebacks. And I think that Spotify made the pivot. This is the Nikesh Aurora pivot. Remember, at Palo Alto, he was the first guy who did it. Cloudflare did it last night. We've seen a couple companies now, David, who say, you know what? We've listened, and we know you want us to make money, not just revenue growth. And it's really um, Alteryx did it, which is a very good company. They've gotten religion, David, and we've got to give them credit. They realized that Nikesh Aurora got his company to do better by saying, I'm not just about growth. And the ones that are not just about growth are winning here. And the guys who are just about growth are losing. Yeah, they are. And I mean, you can it, it it is also being rewarded, which tends to reinforce that behavior. Uh, it's being rewarded in the stock market. Uh, one uh, stock yesterday we didn't get to, Jim, that, you, you know, we talked about it a bit. You followed this company, uh, International Flavors and Fragrances. Oh, um, my. That was I mean, it's up today about three oh. percent. That was brutal. And I wanted to get your take. You know, it got so bad. I think they ran the wrong conference call for 15 minutes yesterday. I don't know oh. if you guys heard. Yes. Yeah, they, they played situation. a recording of the last quarter's conference call before they realized it. I mean, when that it gets to that call. level, you got to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it was a better call. They're going into syndication. <laughs> that was a good call. All right. So this let's is not talk about this something. quarter. Let's do last right. quarter. <laughs> this is actually something that Jeff Marks, my colleague, uh, was made it very clear to me about what happened. When you're on the quarter for Kellogg or PepsiCo, or any consumer packaged food company, what they did was they raised price and therefore sacrificed volume. Well, international flavors and, and fragrances is a volume play. They need more volume. So the part of CPG that was sacrificed volume for price was the part that crushed IFF. And that's really what happened with IFF. And there's not much more to it. They were the one that got crush when the volumes went down. So, David, the stock is bouncing. Is that a lesson you think that, for example, Pepsi's now figuring out? We talked about their Yes, Pepsi had a great quarter, but the the strategy was Chipotle did the same thing. Uh, Let's just raise price. People, there'll be a certain cohort that we price out, but we'll do better. And if you raise price and do less volume, then therefore you have less business with IFF, which provides a lot of the taste of the product that you have. So there are casually the CPG companies deciding to go for, uh, to, to not to go for, for volume. They're not chasing volume, David. They're just saying, listen, we're gonna make as much as we can. We're gonna raise prices. It's a better way to make money. And we're not gonna pay IFF as much because we're not gonna do as much. It's pretty compelling. Yeah, well, 
negative er- No, it narratives. is. But that was that was a, a very much unexpectedly bad quarter. Some people questioning, obviously, the uh, CEO, Frank Clyburn. We'll see. But I know you follow it much more but closely than I do. They find people question their previous CEO. CEO. They question the DuPont mm-hmm. deal that Ed Breen gave them. Yep. Ed Breen having yep. the best quarter of the week at DuPont with the stock up dramatically. Uh, they also bought a company in Russia. I don't remember. An Israeli company that was doing oh, yeah, badly. That one. It, that some bad contracts. Deal. So this used to be one of the great blue chips of our era. And I, IFF, David, I'm no longer putting in that camp. Not a blue chip. Quick Not. reminder, by the way, this morning, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club. A lot of what we're talking about, uh, Jim gives you even more. You can always sign up at cnbc.com slash join the club or just use the QR code on your screen. It takes you right there. Watching bonds closely, of course. Ten years, still trying to sniff out 3.7 as we are just a few days away from that important CPI number on Tuesday. Dow is down 38. Don't go away. We haven't touched on energy this morning. Uh, there's crude trying yeah. to find 80 as Russia's uh, deputy prime minister says they're going to cut output 5% uh, next month as a retaliation Shouldn't for some matter. of these measures. Yeah, bounced off. Watch natural gas, too. That's, it's, it's, that hit a low, too. That's done. Once neighbors said below $2 could be rough for rigs, that was uh, a bit of a tell yeah. earlier in the yeah, week. Yeah, that was bad. But I, I like that case here very much. Uh, meanwhile, Dow trying to shave some early morning losses. We're down 20. Don't go away. We have a real treat, you know, big game on Sunday. And I always love football and I love the Eagles. And the person who's defined the Eagles for me was someone who played on Super Bowl 52 and won was Brandon Brooks. And Brandon happens to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, for having you on. and uh, Brandon, first, I want to just let people know that there is life after football. Some of the things you're doing. Uh, yeah. So after I retired last January, um, I applied, applied round three for Wharton. Um, and was accepted, and I am in my third semester of my first year. Um, and yeah, life after football, I wanted to get in the business, and you know, what better place than to go to the first and best school out there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and course. then you're going to work at the best firm this summer, correct? That is true. I did accept an offer to go to Goldman Sachs and work in their investment banking TMT group, which I am very excited to, you know, go in and work hard and learn. Uh, if you want to work hard and learn and really understand life, there is a commencement address that this man gave March 6, 2018 at your alma mater, Miami of Ohio, where you talked about the desire to be perfect and how that necessarily is not the way, uh, mental health-wise, to pursue life. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing where perfection is, you know, there's, you know, sometimes you feel like you're never good enough. And you do have to understand that you know, every time you do something, um, as long as you're putting your best effort out there and you can look yourself in the mirror, I mean, that's, that's all you can do. And so, you know, although we want to be perfect, sometimes you do fail. And the most important thing is how you bounce back from it. And so, for sure. Well, of course, you, you reached the pinnacle of, of your business in football. I'm curious, you know, Mahomes kind of talked this week in the presser about the days leading up to the game, as you go, as there's media day, all that prep. What's going through players' minds in Phoenix right now? Yeah, so the week leading up, you have so much more media than you're used to. So, you know, you have, you know, local reporters or maybe you might have ESPN, you know, as the NFC Championship games, uh, you know, lead up to the Super Bowl. But once you get to the Super Bowl, it's, you know, it's a world event, right? So there's reporters from different countries around the world who are, you know, here specifically for this game. And, you know, if you're, especially if you're a quarterback, like, they want to, everybody wants to talk to you. And so there's a lot more media. There's a lot more coverage as far as what's going on. And obviously, this is the biggest game of your career. So you have that pressure as well. Now, 
one of the things that uh, when when I we talk about it's a Philly thing. This is a Philly thing, and Jalen Hurts came up with it. But a Philly thing means two things. It means, one, is that you're in a tough crowd. But, two, it means that if a fan invites you to something, you go to them. Is that not true? You went to a lot of fans' things because you just said it's Philly. Yeah, uh, I love Philly. And I know that, you know, Philly sometimes gets a you know a hard time. But for me, where else would you want to play where it means so much to the fans? Like, I want to go somewhere where they're hard on you when, you know, they feel you can do better and you know you can do better, right? And, like, for me, that's that's what I needed. You know, I, I thank God that I was able to go to Philly, be around, you know, tremendous coaches, tremendous players, and play for that city that held me accountable, you know, week in and week out. Accountable. To, yeah, to raise my game. And for me, um, where else would I want to go to a city that, hangs their hat on consistency and persistence. And that's, you know, for me, that's that's all I cared about. And will that pay off on Sunday? Oh, it will. Um, I, rooting for the birds. I mean, I've been telling people, I think, and have thought that the birds have, you know, were their most complete team this throughout the season. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, I don't think he has gotten enough credit. Um, look at all the adversity that he's overcome, right? Oh, yeah. The Alabama situation. Oh, Alabama. Yeah. Then went to Oklahoma. Then he got to the NFL. Like, well, can he be the quarterback that he was in college? And then can he lead the team? And then can he throw? Can he do this? Every, you know, adversity um, situation he's been in, he's overcome. Yeah. Handled it with class. And also don't think his parents get enough recognition as well. His father was a football coach. So, yeah, so I think his parents deserve a lot more credit as well. Well, you deserve a lot of credit. All pro, unbelievable, humble teacher. He's a teacher. Thanks for coming in. That's fantastic stuff. And by the way, a ring would be a great birthday gift for somebody else. <laughs> yes. Birthday, yes. Thank you. Thank you, birthday. my partner. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Don't forget, uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. tonight as we take a break here. Uh, relatively mild losses on the Dow, down 19. We're back in a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.